Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Good morning, Renewal Church. My name is Eric Rivera, as was introduced here, and I'm just thrilled to be with you all, man. I'm excited because I hear what God is doing through you guys here in this city that we love. Um, I bring you greetings on behalf of my wife, Erica, our three children, and of course, our church family at The Brook. Um, A special thank you to Pastor Derek. He's been a dear friend to me, uh, just a fellow co-laborer. And you know what, man? We have a, a good time just just sharing ideas, hearing what God is doing through Renewal, what he's doing through the brook, and it's really fun for me to be here with you guys. You may not know, our, your pastor came to speak at our men's retreat in our church a couple years back, and I know the men of our church were encouraged, were blessed, just as you guys have been by uh, Pastor Derek's ministry. So, man, I'm excited to be here with you all. I believe God has a word for you, Renewal Church, today, and I, I want to open up in a word of prayer, and we're going to get going here. Would you bow with me wherever you're at? Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this, uh, this morning. I thank you, God, that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And because of that, God, I pray that you would grant us the grace to give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see what you want us to hear and see today. God, I pray that your spirit would speak through me. Lord, I pray that you would work in each of our hearts and that your name might be lifted high and the cross of Jesus might be honored. God, I pray this. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. It was a perfect day. It was a cool morning with the breeze flowing through the trees. The pleasant sound of birds were chirping through the skies, and the vibrant flowers filled this lush garden. It was the kind of garden that would make the Chicago Botanical Garden seem like a cheap imitation. And as this man walked through the serene scenery, he saw and overheard a conversation that his beautiful bride was having with this really creepy kind of serpent. And as he was there, he heard the serpent ask his wife, did God actually say you cannot eat from this tree? And as the man stood silent, The world seemingly stood still. And at that moment, his wife took the fruit she ate it, gave some to her husband who was with her. He took it and ate it. And in that moment, Adam set forth a chain reaction that would affect all of us even to where we are at today. And as I think about that story in Genesis 3, it makes me wonder, If only Adam could see this. If only Adam could see the chain reaction that his actions set off. If only Adam really had an understanding of what would take place. Could Adam have foreseen the riots in our streets? Would he have foreseen the fires in our businesses, the racism in our tweets, the anger on lips, the abuse of authority, brutality, hatred, and evil that exists today? Would he have understood the debates about whether or not we can actually say that black lives matter? 
Would Adam have known the devaluing of life from the womb to the tomb, the willingness to sacrifice our elderly on the altar of our economy? Could Adam see this? Overlooking and exploiting of migrants, billionaires and millionaires arguing about money. If only Adam could see this. If only Adam could see what you and I could see today. Today, we're going to set our eyes on the book of Romans chapter 12, verses, chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. And as we get into this scripture, we're going to hear that question echo throughout the text. If only Adam, could Adam really see this? So wherever you're at, would you stand with me? Whether you're in your living room or your bedroom, wherever you are at, would you stand with me and open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 5? And I'm going to read verses 12 through 21 as we get into God's word here. This is what God has for us. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type. Can you say who was a type? Who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Amen. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned from that one man, much more, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, listen to this, verse 20. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that... As sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is God's word for us in Romans 5. You can be seated wherever you are at. I want you to understand something as we open up this text. Here we see, although we know this, this text, it's, it's kind of a mouthful, right? There's, there's a lot here, but there's a, a clear theme that's come across is that the Apostle Paul, who wrote this book of Romans to, uh, to edify, to exhort, and encourage Christians in the city of Rome, Paul is trying to draw a picture between, before them between Adam and Jesus, who he calls the second Adam. Jesus corrected what Adam broke. 
So we see Adam's actions leading a chain reaction, but we see also in this text, Jesus's actions brought something altogether different. Here we see this dichotomy, but it all begins with first understanding the treachery of Adam's actions. Adam's sin set off a treacherous chain reaction. We see in the opening verses that I read in verse 12 and following that through one man, sin came into the world and then death came through that sin. As we see Paul saying here, sin entered when Adam and Eve took of the fruit and the result of that biting of the fruit was death would enter into the world. So death spread to all men because all sinned. When Adam and Eve were in that garden, would they have understood the consequences of what they would do there? See, God had told them, the day you eat from this fruit, you will surely die. And yeah, Adam and Eve didn't die in the moment they took of the fruit, but death entered into the world. They were separated from God in that moment and needed faith and repentance. But then also their bodies now suddenly would have an expiration date. And the same would be true that beyond the grave, death would separate them from God apart from God's gracious work. Surely death entered the world in that moment and sin spread to all of their offspring. Adam had to look no further than his sons, Cain and Abel. Would he have known when he took of that fruit that his son Cain would kill Abel? Would he have known the chain reaction that would follow from that point forward? Adam's sin had far-reaching consequences. You may have heard of a machine called the Rube Goldberg machine. I grew up watching Pee Wee Herman. You might be familiar with that that comedian-like crazy kind of guy that had these quirky things about him. Now, Pee-wee Herman had a movie called Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And in that movie, I loved to watch it as a kid. He had a Rube Goldberg machine. It's more of a contraption. It was a contraption that had a complex and complicated aspects of it that set off reactions that led to a real simple task. For instance, Pee-wee had a Rube Goldberg contraption that made breakfast for him. He would pull a lever and a ball would be in a roll that would hit some dominoes that would then fall in line, that would hit a car, that would roll down a track, and so forth and so on. And before you knew it, it was pouring his cereal. And the thing about Rube Goldberg machines is they're fascinating to watch. It's, it's almost humorous, the crazy things that are taking place. These, this ball that's rolling, the dominoes that are falling. But one thing is true of the Rube Goldberg is when you set it in motion... It's going to complete what it's set to do, what it's set to complete. And for Pee-wee, it was creating breakfast. But for Adam, when he took of that fruit, it would complete ultimately leading to death. And Adam could watch that, uh, the, 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 the fruit of his actions, but he couldn't stop it, just like a Rube Goldberg. It would, uh, it would complete what it was set out to complete. Furthermore, Paul says in verse 14 that death reigned from Adam to Moses. Death reigned. That word reign is used of a king's rulership. And in the same way, death is a brutal dictator. It spares no one. Death subjects everyone to its devilish demands, church family. It dominates and exacts life indiscriminately. 
And from that time in the Garden of Eden, sin enters the world, death continues on, and it spreads to all men. How do we know? Because all of us die. And this is the predicament that we all find. If only Adam could see this. All of us have something protruding from our throat. And ever since the 1600s, it's been called an Adam's apple. Now, according to folklore, the Adam's apple was such because when Adam took of the fruit, which many have seen to be an apple, although the scripture didn't say that, they said it's like the fruit lodged in his throat as a perpetual reminder of his actions. Now, that folklore is fun, even though it may not be true, but there are some truths to it. Listen here, church family. When Adam took of the fruit, something indeed was lodged in us. But unfortunately, sorry for, for hearing this, ladies, it not only affected Adam, but all the descendants of Eve as well. Men and women through all, all of history have something not protruding just in their throats, but protruding in their soul. And it's called sin, and sin leads to death. Now, all of us have felt the consequence of that. Sin is rooted in our being. And what the enemy has done, he's blurred us from the consequences of our sin as he blurred those consequences for Adam and Eve. And we take, take part in our sin. We do so uh, purposefully. We do so um, habitually. And we do so impulsively, like a spender in line buying a stick of gum they had no intention of buying because they had this impulse to buy it right there at the register. That's how we sin. We sin impulsively. We sin premeditatively, sin has taken root in our soul. If only Adam could see this. But you notice in verse 14, it says, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. You see, we may not have eaten from an exact tree that Adam did. We may not have disobeyed an exact command that was clearly given like it was given to Adam. But for us, it reigned in our hearts. We have sinned in the same way. Now, for some people, they see this and they wonder, how could God hold Adam accountable? After all, wasn't it Eve who first took of the fruit? But we see that God gave the command to Adam to, to, uh, to not eat from that tree. And Adam did not relay that command clearly enough and did not protect his wife. And God comes looking for Adam upon his sin. If only Adam could see this. But not only there in the Garden of Eden and with his own sons, but could Adam have seen a deadly virus pandemic hitting our world in 2020 because of his actions? That's the result of the fall. Could Adam see nearly 600,000 deaths in five months from COVID-19? That's the result of the fall. Could Adam see the abuse of power by those in the authority? Could Adam see Ahmaud Arbery's killing, Breonna Taylor's death, and George Floyd's murder? That's the result of the fall. Would he see the rioted streets and looted businesses? If only Adam could see this, would he have taken of the fruit? Mistreated migrants whose presence is rejected, but whose labor is expected. If only Adam could see that. If only Adam could see human trafficking and a booming pornography industry. If only Adam could see food deserts as the result of the fall. Cancel culture as the result of the fall. 
From gossip to greed, from pride to prejudice, from hating to complaining. These are all the results of that action in the Garden of Eden. If only Adam could see this. Now, many of us might say, man, like, I didn't do it, though. Adam did it. Why am I paying for Adam's sin? Well, a lot of times in our Western culture, we become so individualistic that we don't really understand corporate responsibility. We see that being the case in our own nation because of the sins of our forefathers here in America. We, we overlook corporate responsibility. And really what we see in Adam's actions is not only did he and Eve get affected, but corporately all of humanity afterward. But notice how we become very choosy about this. We want to have our pie and eat it too because we don't like the fact that Adam's sin was accounted to us, but we do like the fact that Jesus' righteousness is accounted to us. You see, what Paul is helping us understand here is that Adam's actions would spread, but also in the same way Jesus' work could be applied to us. Notice in, 14, in verse 14, verse, uh, the second part, in, in the second half of the verse, he says that Adam was a type of the one who was to come. That word type, I had you repeat it earlier, is an interesting word. Because what it is is this. Paul wants us to understand that Adam was the first of something that would come later. In the Bible, we call this typology where Old Testament images point to something, a greater reality that's to come in the future. Take, for instance, Noah. In the days of Noah, God saw the wickedness of humanity, and he poured out his wrath by sending a flood on the land, but the people who would enter the ark would be saved. In the same way, that is a type of the future pouring out of wrath at the cross, where through the cross of Jesus, those who are in him would be saved. You see me? Likewise, Melchizedek, a man in the Old Testament book of Genesis, he was called the king of Salem, which means shalom, which is also the king of peace. And he would sit down and have a meal and share bread and wine with Abraham. Likewise, there would be a later king of peace who would come, whose body would be broken like bread and whose blood would be poured out like wine. Typology, church, family. Likewise, we see Joseph who was a righteous one suffering at the hands of his brothers, but his suffering would lead to redemption in Egypt after the famine. Typology, Jesus in the same way, would suffer at the hands of his own creation, his own brothers, but his suffering would lead to life. And what Paul is saying here is that Adam is also a type, but he's not a type in the sense of Jesus doing what Adam did, but Jesus going far beyond what Adam could not do. You see, something better than Adam was on its way. That's what typology tells us. If you go to an auto show, you'll see concept vehicles. These are cars that automakers put out there to kind of whet the appetite of others. Now, they don't have intentions of releasing these cars for some time, if ever. And what they do is with these reactions, they want to see what they can fix. So when a time comes, if they do release it, people are ready for it. Typology is whetting our appetite. And ever since Genesis 3, our appetite has been wet, saying, God, would you redeem what Adam broke? Would you send another on its way? In Genesis 3.15, God says, I'm going to send an offspring from Eve who's going to make things right. With the first Adam got terribly wrong, there would be a second Adam who would get it gloriously right. 
The second Adam is similar, but very different. The second Adam can fix, thirdly, what the first Adam broke. You notice Paul says in verse 15 that this second Adam, Jesus, would offer a free gift. That word, that phrase, free gift, is used at different parts in Romans to refer to Jesus' righteousness as a free gift. In chapter 5, verse 15, right here, God's grace as a free gift. But also in verse 17, Jesus' willing sacrifice was a free gift. Or Romans 6.23, eternal life is a free gift. And all this free gift is salvation. But there are so many beautiful nuances to it. Just like when you receive a free gift. The gift is, yes, free and you enjoy it. But as you enjoy it, you have memories around it. You have experiences attached to it. And it becomes more than just a gift, but it becomes so many other nuances and pleasures you enjoy with that free gift. That's what salvation is like. In Jesus, there is forgiveness. There is redemption. There is adoption. There is new life. There is eternal life. And it goes on and on and on. This free gift that Jesus, the second Adam, offers is all together far more glorious than anything Adam could have ever known. Sin is part of our lives by virtue of our humanity. But the second Adam has come to fix things. Where the first Adam brought trespass, Jesus brought a free gift. Where Adam brought a condemnation, Jesus brought justification. Where Adam's sin brought death, Jesus' life can bring life. There is a parallel here, but it's that Jesus is far better. As I think about the consequence of sin, the way that this set off a chain reaction, I wondered if Adam could only see that. But as I read this text and I see how Jesus is the perfect second Adam, I wondered if only Adam could see this. Not just the sin that, and the destruction that came from his actions, but could Adam actually even see the redemption that God could do? Could Adam see this? Because where the first Adam failed, the second Adam succeeded. Where the first Adam took the fruit of a tree, the second Adam bore the fruit of sin on a tree. You with me, church? Where the first Adam disregarded God's command, the second Adam perfectly obeyed the father's command where the first Adam failed in the garden the second Adam prayed and succeeded in a garden where the first Adam brought condemnation the second Adam brought justification if only Adam could see this where the first Adam's actions led to death the second Adam's actions led to life where the first Adam shifted blame the second Adam took our blame. Where the first Adam let down his bride, the second Adam laid down his life for his bride. Where the first Adam hid from the father, the second Adam showed us the father. Where the first Adam saw that he was naked, the second Adam covered our nakedness with his righteousness. If only Adam could see this. If only Adam could see what you and I could see. Where Paul says in verse 18, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. If Adam could see this, he would weep over his sin, but then wonder over his redemption. 
But watch this, church. What Adam could not see, God has given us the ability to see it. We can see what Jesus has done. And because of that, we ought to be then those who are bearers of this good news, who rest in this good news, who remember this good news when we are condemned. Adam's actions set off a chain reaction, but something better than Adam was on its way. And where he failed, the second Adam would fix it. I love how Paul wraps up this section in verse 21. He says, so that as sin reigned, again, that word reigned, it is that king, that brutal dictator. As sin reigned in death, but notice what Jesus brings in this reversal. Grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I hope I'm hearing an amen there wherever you are at because what Jesus did was where sin and death reigned as a brutal dictator, Jesus reigns as the king of kings. Jesus reigns as the one whose grace is poured out and he reigns as a merciful, compassionate, and just king. And Jesus' forgiveness is offered to you as it's offered to me because on that cross, he took sin and death. He took my sin. He took your sin. He took our penalty on that cross. And in exchange, when we put our faith in him, he gives us his righteousness. And at that cross, there is that beautiful and yet horrible exchange. My sin, Jesus's righteousness. And when he rose from the dead, he conquered death so that death no longer can reign. But now eternal life through Jesus can reign. If only Adam could see what you and I could see today, it would have changed everything. And because you and I can see it, let us walk in that hope, not letting condemnation grip grip our lives, but letting the hope of Jesus grip us. Oh God, help us see more clearly what Adam could not see. Renewal Church family, Chicago needs you to see this. Our country needs the church to see this because our country cannot see past Adam's sin. But when we walk as those who carry the good news of Jesus Christ, we can become the salt and the light of the world to a world that is so broken, wrapped up in Adam's sin. But when you have the good news of Jesus, people's lives can be changed forever through faith and repentance. We've got work to do. We've got a message to preach and we got a mission to get on. Church family, if Adam could see this, he would weep in wonder because you and I can see this. Let us weep over our sin and then wonder over Jesus's grace that redeems us from the pit. God, help us see this and walk in it. Would you pray with me wherever you're at? Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, that you would not let sin reign for eternity. But you came down, you took on our flesh, you entered into our shoes to live that perfect life, to die that death, to raise from the dead, to give us life through faith. And Lord, I pray that we would walk by the Spirit, walk in Christ, remember that your grace abounds. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9.30 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.